Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Seal Patel, senior reporter at Digiday. We recently wrapped up our Digiday Publishing Summit in Key Biscayne, Florida. In this session, Digiday President and Editor-in-Chief Brian Morrissey interviews Roy Schwartz, co-founder and president of Axios, about how Axios is more than Politico 2.0, the new trust era in journalism, and delaying the launch of Axios' pricey subscription offering. Enjoy. So we, we launched on January 18th, um, and so we've only been around for eight months, so if you haven't heard of us, that's okay. Um, a lot of us, uh, the founding team came from Politico, so I was the chief revenue officer there. Jim Vanahai was the CEO. Mike Allen, who most of you would know, uh, was at uh, Politico writing Playbook. And so now in January, we launched Axios, and Axios is really a very different publication. Um, our response came from a listening tour that we did. So when we left Politico, spent several months actually touring around the country and talking to people about news consumption. And uh, the one overwhelming trend that we've heard uh, was about how everyone felt overwhelmed. So uh, Slack, email, text messaging, uh, newsletters, social media, everyone just kind of felt like there was so much news and information coming towards them that it was hard to understand what they should read, what they should trust, and really uh, getting the information they needed to do their job. And it's weird because you, know, you can order an Uber with one click, but yet news information is now more difficult, not easier, even though we have a lot more technology. So we thought about how do we solve that problem? So if you're starting a new media company in 2017, like how would you go about solving this abundance of news information? And so we came up with this concept called smart brevity. And so everything that you read is written first in one screen, an iPhone screen, like how can you put all of that information on your device in one screen? So you kind of get all of the nuggets of information. We believe that most articles have one quote, one new piece of information. We want to share that with the reader as efficiently as possible. And then we always provide a why it matters. So, right. So it's more than just bullet points. It is more than bullet points. Okay. <laughs> it is, it is the, the smart part is really important. I mean, a lot of people have tried brevity and failed. Yeah. I think the key part is smart brevity. You need to really have uh, in-depth knowledge of the subject matter. And so we have a newsroom. Mm -hmm. So we have 40 people in our newsroom. We hire really deep subject matter experts. So explain how the strategy is different from just uh, Politico 2.0. Oh, one, we cover a lot more than politics. So uh, we cover what we believe to be the collision of the most important topics of today. Um, I was just talking to, to Jim Brady about this. Like, everything is coming together. So he's dealing with it now with sports and politics, but it's true across the board. Like, when you think about the collision of tech, business, politics, now sports, like it's all coming together, and that's not a trend that's going to change. So in order for all of us, uh, but in order for business people, tech people, to really understand what's happening, they have to understand more than just mm -hmm. a look at Tesla from a technology standpoint. They have to understand the regulatory impact that Michael was talking about. They have to understand uh, the business implications, and so all of that right. together. So how do you stay focused, though? I mean, because I mean, with Politico, it was about politics. Yep. That's, that's a way of, uh, of focusing in. Um, this sounds a lot broader. I mean, yep. when it, everything is tech, everything is politics, pretty much you're doing everything. Yeah. I would say we're not doing everything. So we are laser focused on people who 
consume a lot of news information. So it's not for everyone. This is not meant uh, to just go on social media and get the most clicks. That is not the purpose of it. The idea is that there's probably 20 to 30 million people who need news and information to do their jobs. And so we want to provide that as efficiently as possible. So the first thing is we're really focused on that audience. The second is our format is very distinct. So the way in which we cover something, it's not where you would come to read 3,000 words on something. This is where you're going to come and get hyper-informed about a lot of different things very, very quickly. If you want to go deeper, we provide that level of depth, but we do it, I would say, in a, in a really efficient manner. And that, that's the goal of it. So you've got both a difference in terms of who we're focusing on in terms of the reader and then also in terms mm -hmm. of the content format. Yeah. With, with Mike Allen, I mean, he's clearly a brand yes. unto himself. And, and you have other people that are brands mm -hmm. or that are becoming brands. That's right. Um, explain that approach. I mean, because it's also dangerous, right? Um, we we uh, embrace that danger. So I think one of the things that uh, Jim and Mike, uh, who are my co-founders, do better than nearly anyone in the world is pick talent. You can see it in uh, Ben Smith as a former Politico, J Jonathan Martin, uh, Maggie Haberman, Glenn Thrush. These are now household names, but they were all at Politico, and they were all identified very early on uh, by Jim and by Mike. And so we're very good at understanding uh, who's going to be a big star. And then we help make them stars. Like That's part of what we want to do is build brands. So uh, right now, we have uh, Jonathan Swan, who's an up-and-coming star covering the White House. Um, if there's a lot of scoops, uh, it's either coming from Maggie or from Jonathan. Like they're, they're incredible at getting scoops about the Trump administration. And uh, we put him on air. We have a relationship with NBC. He's on MSNBC. He's on CNBC a ton. And we encourage that. We want to build him as a brand, but under Axios. But you don't want to be the farm team for the New York Times. Absolutely not. I mean, because Politico, in yeah. some ways, you know, a lot of people, that, when the New York Times expanded their Washington Bureau, they sort of they, yes, had they a good did. strategy. They're yes, like, we're they just going to hire some people from Politico. Yes, right. Um, so and CNN and that? others. Yeah. Um, look, you, you ultimately can't do that. I, I think the Times are going to change very drastically. When we did our listening tour, and you talked to uh, the younger audience, the millennial audience, is good content, and they're not um, looking at those mastheads in the same way that maybe the previous generation would. And so I think that's going to change. So my hope is that Axios is looked on in that way by that next generation. OK, so scale, right now, you what, like 7 million? Yeah, so uh, 7.4 7 was last month's Comscore numbers okay. from zero right. eight months ago. No, no, no. That's that's, pretty good. And I think also, I mean, it's an influence play, right? And yes. I think you know, just the number of people who probably start their day with, with Axios is, is fairly high. I don't know yes. if you uh, can, can quantify that. Um, but what, what, is, what does scale look like? 20 million? Like, what is, like for the business, yeah. where do you have to get to? I mean, it's not 100 million. No, it's definitely not 100 million. Uh, look, I think that we want to be the go-to resource for the, that professional news and information reader, audience, listener. Um, and I don't know what that number is. I would say it's somewhere in the 20 to 30 million range. What I care about more is engagement and time spent. So I care about uniques, but I care about it less as more of an indicator of the total audience. So the fact that half of this room still hasn't heard of Axios, hopefully you will go to Axios um, and mm -hmm. uh, get addicted to that content, and that will spread. What we found is that people who get exposed to it, that interact with it, it spreads. So I care about that top line number as a way to do marketing. I care much more about the engagement level. How much time is someone spending? OK. It sounds like it overlaps with like the, the economists. Yeah, I, you know, I would say that um, 
our audience is, is, is similar to The Economist in the sense that it's, it's somebody who's using news information professionally, but ideally they're also thinking about it on a daily perspective, and I think that's the difference. Right. Our audience comes every single day and several times a day. Yeah. So how do you translate smart brevity into, into advertising? Yeah, I, you, the, the greatest surprise that we had, there, there was a gap in the market, so I was the chief revenue officer, as I mentioned earlier, and the gap that I saw was you had banners on one extreme and you had long-form native on the other, and there was nothing in between. So we all know the issues with banner. There are issues with long-form native. It takes weeks and weeks to create. It costs a lot of money, and you are dependent on a click. You need somebody to click into whatever it is that you've created, and that, I think, is a, is a significant barrier. What I wanted to develop was something where you didn't have to click. And so you can really only do it in a scroll and format. And you don't have to give away all the margin in creating it. Absolutely. So, so what we've <laughs> created, if you go to Axis or if you read any of our newsletters, the ads are the same. It's a headline, it's an image video or infographic, and then there's text. It fills up exactly the size of a screen. Um, we are mobile first, 80% uh, of our traffic is mobile, so we wanted to make sure that it was one screen of information. But the reader is in control, so when you go to the site, you can scroll past the ad if you want, but it's the same level, it's the same uh, positioning as the editorial content. So the reader has to interact with it, and all of a sudden you can create, one, a lot of possibilities for advertisers, but two, you're collecting a lot of data. What headlines are working best, what images are working best, what's uh, a way to convey the news information in a way that people would want to interact with it. And a lot of our brands have great content. They have a lot of information that they want to share. And if they share it in the right way, people will engage in it. So do you repurpose it or does the agency or does the client? So when we started, uh, we did a lot of it ourselves. So yeah. no one had heard of this format. So we call it uh, short form native. So no one had heard of it before. Like, well, what is it? It sounds difficult. It's actually super easy. We can create it in literally minutes. Um, but we can go from one extreme where someone gives us a press release and says, create something out of this, or uh, the other extreme is that the agency does it all. And I would say the agencies that were with us from the very beginning have now learned how to do it incredibly well. And we optimize on an ongoing basis, so they look at the performance of each headline, each image, each text, they decide practices mm -hmm. related to that, and now they're doing it themselves. And this is served like a normal display It is, ad. yeah. Okay. So uh, the key part there is engagement as well. So the way that we measure our content is by the amount of time someone spends reading and engaging with that piece of content. The same is true for the advertising. So, you know, if someone is spending time and reading it, um, that's that's a win for me. Okay, and this is it's sold on a CPM. It's right now it's sold on a CPM. We could easily switch to a CPV, and we're experimenting with that because every ad is viewable, so we don't have a viewability issue because. It's a stream, it's the closest is, it's Facebook, it's nothing but news and you don't have to click out. So when you're in it, you have to see the ad, but you can decide if you want to scroll past it or not. Right. And so if it's on your screen for more than a couple of seconds, then you don't really have a viewability issue. So this sounds fairly handcrafted. So like programmatic is basically not important. I'm not a believer in programmatic, at least not for, uh, for this This is a audience. dangerous place for you. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was for later for my uh, controversial <laughs> yeah. point. Um, Please, elaborate. <laughs> I just, uh, I've seen a lot of different things strip power from a publisher, so I'm purely speaking as a publisher. I think that the moment you let go of the direct sales channel, your data, you get into dangerous territory. Okay, elaborate even further. <laughs> so programmatic's been uh, a nightmare for publishers. Is that the sort of TLDR? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. I, th I, think, I think it can be good for some publishers if they're based on 
um, sheer volume. If, if right. all I'm doing is going out and saying I'm just going to get events, then I wouldn't open mm -hmm. my inventory up for that. Explain the role email has played, because sure. it's interesting starting the way Axios has, and I think you know, Mike Allen being part of the founding team uh, obviously influenced yeah. that, but email is very front and center. Absolutely. Look, I think uh, newsletters will evolve. So right now, newsletters are back, kind of like podcasts are back. Uh, I would actually uh, urge everyone to think about, like, why are they back? They're back because of this, uh, everyone feeling inundated with curate the information. So I think that's the reason newsletters are back. That's the reason podcasts are back. It's just like, help me make sense of all of this information. Um, newsletters right now are a critical part of that. We filter the news every morning. So whether you're in tech, whether you're in media, whether you are in politics, we provide an easy place to start your day. All the newsletters go out at about 6 a.m. So you can really get news information. And they're not written the night before. We write them in the morning. We wake up crazy early and write them. Um, so it's really up-to-date information, and we break news headlines from yesterday. So in that sense, it really helps professionals get addicted to our content. What I would say Axios as a platform, axios.com, uh, you go there because you're in between meetings, and it's like having that newsletter all day long on any topic you want, also delivered in that same style. It's a very fun conversational way of mm -hmm. taking in information. How many subscribers? We have now uh, over 150,000 newsletter subscribers. Uh, and again, we have a much wider audience on yeah. the dot-com that we are introducing the newsletter to. But I think over time, something will come out that will be different from a newsletter and kind of merging in with the site. So when you launched, um, I had Jim on my podcast, yeah. and we talked about subscriptions. Um, and you haven't launched a subscription product yet. Correct. Uh, Not a paid subscription product. Paid subscription product, yes. When is that coming? Um, right now, with the success that we are seeing on uh, our dot-com and just the advertising side, has been so much better than we could have hoped that we don't want to do anything that jeopardizes the marketing or the building of audience. So we're postponing it. When I, when I look and think about subscriptions the way we would want to do them. It's not about consumer subscription. It's not about converting somebody from getting a free newsletter to paying $10 a month. It's really about providing unique information that they need to do their jobs that they can't get anywhere else and that their business would pay for. So this would be an expensive subscription anywhere else. And that's just going to take time to figure out. I think we have um, several different ways in which we could go. But it's really about, when you're at a startup, it's about your own bandwidth, right? So yeah. right now, uh, everything that I'm doing is about really making sure that everyone in this room should know uh, Axios exists, and hopefully it helps you guys um, get through news information quickly. Um, the fact that like half the room hasn't says I got a lot more to do, mm -hmm. um, and that we have to keep doing marketing. And I think that's where I want to spend my, my bandwidth and uh, my, my thought process around how do I get people to experience Axios. And once they have, then I think we can think back and go, OK, what's, what are other ways we can drive revenue? So what's the pivot to video look like for Axios? Uh, I don't, th I don't think there's a, in, in our case, not a pivot to video. I know. I was, uh, I, you know, I like some of what, what Michael was saying. We, we right now actually are making money from video. And we're making money from video because it's part of, when we sell a solution to our clients, it is part of how do you reach influencers and how do you share your message with influencers. And so we have what smart brevity looks like on video, which is 
short as you would expect, but also it has to be thoughtful. Um, so if you go to our site and you look at the video content on our site, it's about 90 seconds to two minutes, but you walk away learning something that you didn't know. We have Walter Isaacson talking about something, um, or Ariana Huffington, or Richard Plepler, the, the CEO of HBO, and so you walk away with a new nugget of information, and that's, that's the point of it. Okay. And you're able to make money off this. We are. So right now, all of our videos we're making money from, going all in the way Michael was talking about, or uh, really focusing the entire energy of the company in that sense. And what we do is we believe it's an extension of our storytelling. So it's just how do you convey smart brevity in video? How do you convey it in audio? How do you convey it on the site? How do you do it in newsletters? And ideally, there's a cohesiveness to it. And I know it's, it's never say never, particularly with a startup. But for now, display advertising is not part of That's the plan. correct. Yeah. Standard display. That's no. right. No. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with another summit session on Digiday Live.